conversations with wedding professionals as they share their stories, insights, and tips from inside the wedding industry. We'll chat about how to be authentic and that it's okay not to be perfect or run your business like someone else's Instagram. Let's dive into the privilege it is to serve our clients and discover the talented creatives that make up our community. When we share what we know and who we are, we better serve our couples as a wedding day team, as well as each other. Simply put, be fabo. Now here's your host, Bobby Brinkman. Hello, podcast listeners. Man, is it fabo to have you joining us again today. Before we get started, I just want to remind everybody that it is such an honor that you follow along with us, and I'm so thrilled that you're here I hope that you're enjoying listening to some candid conversations and hearing other Wedding Pro stories. I'm very blessed that everybody's taking their time to join us. I want to remind you guys to reach out to me via text or via email. You can do that at bobbybrinkman at gmail.com. Let me know your comments, your topic highlights. Anything that you want to talk about, you can reach me there. Once again, that's bobbybrinkman at gmail.com. Also, follow along on my education site on Instagram, which is bfabo. And reach out to me there about speaking, uh, any other roundtables you want to have. And you can also get more information at bobbybrinkman.com. So once again, thanks for following along here on the Beef Apple Podcast. Make sure you subscribe wherever you get your podcast. We'd love to have you subscribe. Don't forget to give us a review here and there to let us know that you're thumbs up or even things that we can improve. So without further ado, let's get on with the show. Once again, thanks for following along. Thanks for being Fabo listeners. Let's go to the show. Hey, welcome back, listeners. Once again, I'm so, so excited to have Sarah Dunn of SarahDoesSEO.com joining us today. Many, many of you have uh, wrote in and sent me texts, and you all want to know about SEO. I think that's one of the struggles that wedding creatives are always talking about, and it's on the top 10 of how they think they can improve their business. So everybody, we have got a wonderful, wonderful lady here that is going to give you some insight, make it simple for you. I mean, she calls herself the geeky best friend for creative wedding pros. So uh, we're definitely going to learn something today. So Sarah, Sarah, thank you so much for joining us today. Tell everybody a little bit about yourself. Hey, Bobby. Thank you for that awesome introduction. I love hearing that uh, people are interested in SEO rather than trying to hide under the cover somewhere whenever SEO is mentioned. So I am super excited to be here with you talking SEO and talking business. I do love geeky things and uh, being the geeky best friend to people who are a little bit more creative. um, I love working with wedding professionals. So that is what I do now. I am an SEO consultant specifically for the wedding industry. And I love working with planners, photographers, florists, venues, and to help them get found on Google. It's such a great way. Everybody is searching. There are 2 billion Google searches a day. So it's so important to make sure that you can be found when people are looking for exactly what you have to offer. So I'm happy to share whatever you think your audience would love to hear. Well, I think that just in anybody that's been in business in just three years, the difference from SEO from when they started three years ago to now is is so large and so vast and has grown so much. And there's so so much information out there about what to do and what not to do. What's a good place for wedding professionals to start if they've been in business for five, 10 years, or if they're just starting out and maybe explain the difference of what's the best route to take. 
Great question. I think it's so important to realize that what Google's trying to do always in any search is to return the best and most helpful results for their searcher. So it can seem really overwhelming. There's so many articles that talk about tips and tricks and tactics and put this keyword here and edit this description there. But what you really want to think about, no matter how long you've been in business, is how can I best help the person that lands on my website? And Google more and more is prioritizing signals to them that show that people that are on your website like it. So in recent years, things like how long a visitor spends on your website matter more and more to Google. They're looking at how long someone spends on the site, how many pages are visited. Does someone click on your listing in Google and immediately click the back button? That indicates to Google they weren't happy with the site or maybe it didn't load fast enough. And Google will start to push those sites down if they aren't meeting the user's needs. So more than any tip or trick or anything scary, I just want you to know, think about the user first. What do they want to find when they land on your website and can they easily find it? Do they easily understand who you are, what you have to offer, and where you offer those services? Super, super important. And that is SEO 101. I was going to say, can we dumb that down a little bit and say you are talking about Google? Is Google the only thing that matters in SEO? Good question. There are certainly other search engines that people might search on. The largest portion is on Google. So that's what I talk about most of the time. Um, Sometimes I do say Google and I mean search engines in general. Um, So we are also talking about people finding you on Bing or Yahoo or sometimes voice searches on other platforms. So those all matter somewhat, but Google is really the Mac daddy. And the one that I recommend if you've got limited time, don't worry too much about the others. Make sure you are getting found on Google. And that's, and that's what was my point for that question was, is so many people are trying to do all of it and being seen everywhere. And I think that's when they go, oh my gosh, this mountain is so big, I can't move it. Why not just go ahead and start with the one that's going to give you the fastest bang and is worth the time for you to invest in it. So that's why I really wanted to make sure that you knew that she was talking about other ones, but her focus is Google. And um, I will say that that's where we put our priority is on Google as well. So Sarah, tell us a little bit, extending that conversation. We're going to do Google. We're going to set up and work on Google, but I don't really have a website. I just do everything on Instagram or I do everything on Facebook. Is it important that I at least have a landing page or a very simple one page website? Absolutely. Um, it's important to set your business up. So say you're brand new and you just want to get those first initial clients and really get your name out there for free using social media. I'm all for that. I think that's fabulous. And take advantage of those platforms to test your business and grow your business. But I think in the future, once you're established and once you really are doing well, you're definitely going to want to have a more robust website. So get something set up on a domain name that you think you'll want to use for the long term. Because one factor that Google factors into the search engine rankings is the age of your domain. So the age of your URL. So for example, I'm SarahDoesSEO.com and One thing Google looks at when it decides if I'm going to rank for the keywords I want to rank for is which website's been around the longest because that might indicate that that business is more established, more authoritative, they've been around. So you might as well get a single landing page up 
on a domain name that matches your business and just start building up some of that authority. If you don't want to worry about SEO to start with and that's not the first place you want to go to market your business, I totally understand, but do definitely have some sort of landing page up if you're working on your social media. Also keep in mind that your website is where you can kind of have that overall message and make sure that the user sees the message you want them to see. So rather than just a feed and a really short bio, you can say exactly what you want to say in as many characters as you want to say it on your own website. So there's a lot of advantages to owning something, even if it's just a landing page. And we could just wrap up the podcast right now because you all have just got the best information in the first five minutes of this podcast. (laughs) But no, but no, I mean, everything you just said is like so logical and valuable. But I think, and and listeners, for the most part, we're going to talk about wedding creatives since this is a wedding industry podcast. But I know because we're talking about SEO, we may get some other uh, business owners that come in. But for the sake of this interview, we're going to talk about, you know, the wedding industry. I think there's so many things in the wedding industry that everybody constantly is changing and trying to improve. And sometimes they forget it's okay to just be that website. Branding with photographers and changing their name and changing their logo is something that happens like every year. And so I'm curious with what you just said, if, if they go say, like, like if I change Bobby Bringman photography dot com to the new Bobby Brinkman photography dot com is fucking <laughs> the old Bobby photography dot com and does that hurt Google Analytics? Oh, I love that you asked this because this is actually one of the biggest mistakes that I see made. It is very common in the wedding industry for whatever reason that people often change their business name. Maybe they bring in a business partner, so they add their partner's name. Um, You know, maybe they bring a spouse into a photography business and they want to brand it under both names. Um, I have seen several cases where this domain transition was not done properly. And the good news is when it is done properly, you will retain all of your SEO value with Google. So what you need to do, and this is a little bit more technical, and I'd be happy to provide a resource, what you really need to do is make sure your old domain name redirects using a 301 permanent redirect to the new one. And any domain registrar will know how to set this up. So wherever you bought your domain, you can contact their support and ask them for their process on how to do this. But you really need to use the 301 redirect because that's what says to Google, this website has permanently moved to a new location. Please pass all value of my old URL to my new one. And if you do that, That is the number one thing you need to do in a name and URL transition to make sure that Google doesn't view you as an entirely new business and make you start over with all of that authority. It's also really going to help with links that you have around the web. So don't forget about that. If you've been mentioned in another vendor's blog post, for example, or on a, a listing site or on a publication If someone clicks that link, you don't want them to go to a broken page. So when you redirect your URL, that helps the user experience as well as Google to find your new site and pass that along. So that was my, right. And that was my next question going right into, I see this happen over and over and over, especially with us doing some research here for podcast interviews. You know, I get a, I get a suggestion from a listener or, or another vendor says, Hey man, talk to this person. I'll go to their website 
and the link is broken to the part that tells me about their information. And, and we, I know we try really hard and by all means I have, I have Tina behind the scenes for me running my website and everything. And I know that she works hard, but every once in a while something slips through, but also can you tell the listeners that while you may be doing everything right on your website, what you just said applies. So if Susie's blog post that you're a guest on has changed names, your link that's on your good running website is still going to be broken coming off her website. Yeah, you, you do have to carefully monitor those uh, links to your site and see what happens as they change. You might need to update links that you have on your site, on your press page, for example. Um, you don't want a lot of broken external links. It's not a huge black eye with Google, but you want your website to be as high quality as possible. So you want to occasionally check out links on your own website and make sure that they're still working and still going where you intended them to go. Um, and there are a few tools you can do this. Um, I think most of them are paid, but if I think through and can think of any free tools that are broken link checkers, I will certainly pass that along to you, Bobby. Well, that's great. And we'll definitely put that in the show notes. And anything that we're talking about with Sarah today, everybody, don't be so fast to grab your pencil. Tina's going to stick in the show notes and there'll be links to going back. And uh, so that way you can reach out to Sarah on her own anyway, um, which is what I highly suggest any of you do. She's got a wonderful um, uh, lunch and learn that we'll talk about a little bit later, but don't worry about the show notes will be here. So don't maybe just, you know, kind of listen as you're listening and uh, we'll get those show notes to you. Let's go back a little bit and talk about we talked about how people search for us so like if somebody types in wedding photographer in xyz let's just go ahead and use a city wedding photographer in georgia how is google then finding the individual photographers that are in georgia so Google has a lot of different ranking factors and so that's what we call the various things that they look at in order to decide who shows up first and what's tricky about Google is they won't tell us exactly what they're looking at. So it's kind of like a secret sauce or a KFC's herbs and spices recipe. It's their trade secret. So as SEO consultants and SEO professionals, it's our job to do experiments and to see what works and to identify patterns. And that's how in SEO, we've been able to determine what ranking factors might be. So just a few simple ones. There are hundreds, certainly, but there are a few things that matter more than others. Um, the first one I want to point out is clear keyword use on your homepage and in your page title and description. So if we're talking about Georgia wedding photographer, it's really hard for you to rank for the term Georgia wedding photographer if you don't use that phrase anywhere on your website. And I, I laugh at this a little bit, except that I've seen it so many times. Clients will come to me and they'll say, well, I really want to rank for Austin Wedding Planner. And I look on their website and they haven't used the phrase Austin Wedding Planner. They say, <laughs> we plan joyful events throughout Texas. And I'm like, well, Google thinks that you plan joyful events. They don't think you're an Austin Wedding Planner. So it's really important to specifically use the keyword that you want to use on your homepage also, make sure to put it in the page title and the page description. Those are really important for what actually shows up in the Google listing. And there's a lot of weight 
placed on those. So every website platform, whether it's WordPress, Squarespace, Show It, they all have a place for a uh, meta title and meta description. So using the keyword you want to use on the page and in those places, very, very important and is one of the, the number one things that it's going to help. So there you go, new listeners. When you see all these photographers and all these florists and they write, the best florist in Austin, you know that why they believe they are the best florist in Austin, they're actually using that continuously and that's a key, that's a keyword ranking. And I, I want everybody to know that keywords are just not for photographers, correct? Sarah, they are for every wedding creative vendor should be using keywords that mask the genre of what they're doing in the industry. Yeah, every website, no matter what kind of business it is, should be thinking about what keywords people are using that they want to show up for. So absolutely, every type of business. So then when people come in, we talked about coming in Google. So now let's talk about, if you can, we know that there's other sites out there that wedding creatives pay to be a listing on. So if somebody clicks to that site and then that site comes into Google, does Google recognize that it's still a click to our site? Is that hurting us that there's a click through to our site? Or is it just that's just the way businesses ran and as long as you get a click through, that's great? Yeah, so Google actually doesn't have much of an opinion whether you're getting a click from the not or not. And that's not something they necessarily look at for a ranking factor. Um, What's important is if listing sites do have a link to your, to your website, whether you're getting click through it or not, doesn't matter as much, but does, do other websites on the internet link to yours? And that's something that I wanted to bring up as another very important ranking factor with Google is links to your website from other sites on the internet. Google really looks at those as a way to judge which sites are the most trusted. So if Bobby has a thousand websites that link to her and Joe, the other photographer in town, only has 10, Google's like, well, Bobby is much better known. Her website must be better. She must be a better business. So we're going to rank Bobby ahead of Joe. So links are really, really important. And whenever you can get a credit on another vendor's blog post, or you can sign up for a free listing service that lists wedding professionals, or you can maybe get mentioned for a photo that you took in a photo credit. Those are all great things. Now, there is a, a little bit of a caveat. Um, a lot of the big listing sites use something called a nofollow link. And Basically, what that means is they're saying, this person may have paid for this link, so we don't want it to pass any value to Google. And they're supposed to do that as far as Google's terms of service. Anytime you've paid a site in order to be listed, they're not supposed to give you a, an SEO link back. So I would say, yeah, if you get really technical, not every link is equal, but just try to get the links that you can that make sense back to your site. And don't worry too much about if they're follow or no follow. Well, and I think that goes to, you know, most of us right now are still dealing with some of the millennials, but the new Z generation that some of us are starting to see, this is the generation that, as I, I, I know you know, Sarah, only knows how to do anything on their phone. I mean, they don't yes. know what it's like to not search on their phone. They don't know what it's not like to not get any piece of information. If you ask them what gas was in 1920 in two seconds, they'll tell you because they've Googled it, you know? So they know everything about their phone. So the we generation that 
I feel is what the Z generation is. They're more about the we, where the millennials were more about the I. They're looking at all this. And again, this is Bobby Brinkman's opinion. You know, this is how I feel. I see the industry going a little bit is this the Z generation is all about, wow, there are a hundred people that know who Bobby or Susie or Mark is. I'm going to chalk that up to experience, good or bad. That person is interacting in the industry versus Joe, who might just be starting out and doesn't have all the click links. Joe has a website that says he's been in business for 25 years, but I don't see that he's as active in the wedding industry. So I think clients, these couples these days are looking at all the places that you're seeing, good or bad. I think they're going, hey, this person has experience. I want somebody with experience. So I remind everybody that if you've been in this business 10 to 15 years, you are still going to be growing. There is going to finally, that circle is coming back to where clients want to spend money on the experience. They want to invest with somebody with the experience. And I do know there are people that think, well, I don't, if I go to the Nada Wedding Wire, you've paid for that listing. So how valuable is that listing? How valuable is that? That'll bring me to the question that I know blew our minds, talking about the Google reviews. You gather all these reviews everywhere else, and Sarah has a wonderful way to help you guys get on Google. And if she might talk a little bit about it right now, but we'll definitely follow her Instagram. She's got a wonderful post on it. But how Google helps you with these reviews. So Sarah, talk a little bit about the reviews that you get from couples and how valuable they are to be on Google. Yes. So there's so many places I know that want you to get your clients to review. So The Knot says get reviews here. Wedding Wire says get reviews here. You might even have like a really strong Yelp community where you live. I know that's big in some areas and not in others, but there's so many places that you can ask for reviews and it can get a little overwhelming. Um, I'm here to tell you that reviews on Google are also really important. And these are reviews that are connected to your Google My Business listing. So it's a free listing. If you have never signed up for one, it's business.google.com. And that is a local business listing that allows you to set things like your location and where you serve and a category for your business and your phone number. And that is really what drives those map results at the top of Google. So for most of the keywords that you're going to search for, you will see little dots on a map, usually three listings at the top of the Google results. And those are really important places to be. Certainly not every click from um, wedding searches on Google comes to the top three listings, but you'll get significantly more if you can get there. And one of the things you really need to do if you want to show up on the map on Google is to increase your review count. There are many businesses now that have been spending a couple years or so building up their Google reviews. They might have 15, 20, 40, 70 Google reviews. And so if you've only got two, Google is less likely to show your listing in comparison to theirs. So Bobby's talking about some advice that I gave recently on Instagram where I just said, hey, you might have 20 years, if you're Bobby, um, of reviews on other listing sites. And those are just sitting there and your clients would actually be willing to also paste that same review on Google if you just asked. So my suggested process for this is to open up your listing on another listing site, find a really nice review from a client that you connected with, copy it, paste it into an email, 
and send it directly to that client. Let them know, hey, thanks. I really appreciated this review. I'm trying to work on my SEO and I've heard that getting more reviews on Google really helps. Will you click this link for my Google profile and just paste this exact same review you already wrote? I would really appreciate it. And all you're really asking them to do is like, mind blowing, mind blowing. Yeah, it's not that much work for them. You've done most of the work for them. You've found their review. You've given it to them. All they have to do is copy and paste. And if you gave them a great experience, even if it was two or three years ago, they're going to be happy to help you out with that. So I've had clients that have gotten significant number of reviews from past clients and really have quickly built up their Google My Business listing and those reviews. So one caveat I do want to give, um, be careful with this technique, especially if you have a ton of old reviews. You don't want them to be like a flood all at once because that can trigger some Google spam filters. Like, hey, maybe this person has just hired some company overseas to leave fake reviews. Right. Um, So I suggest just doing three or four of these requests a week and space them out, and hopefully you'll really naturally get maybe one to two new reviews every single week, which looks really, really healthy. Gosh, I mean, I tell you, once again, another boom. There you go, folks. You're, you're getting so much good content right here. I mean, Sarah is just amazing. Let's shift gears a little bit and, and remind everybody a little bit about if they just are starting and why it's important to perhaps, if they don't really know what to do, why somebody like you can be of service. So let's tell our listeners a little bit about how they can go about hiring you to help you do this. Well, great. Yeah, so I work with clients who don't necessarily want to do their SEO and learn all about it. And I generally look for clients that have a decent website and a lot of past blog history and some links already established. So those are kind of baselines. Those are things I really suggest that you get right before you hire any SEO consultant. Make sure you've got at least 10 past blog posts to be optimized. Make sure you don't have zero links because if there's no links coming into your site, we certainly can build some, but you're not going to see the results that you really want to see. So focus on those things. And then once you've got an established website and you do want some SEO help, an SEO consultant can be super helpful in leading you through exactly what needs to be done on your site to rank for the keywords you're looking for. So one of the major things that I do, I always start with a process called the SEO roadmap. And this is an in-depth audit and a piece of keyword research that I always like to start with because it really lets us see what's the current situation with this website and in this market. So most people come to me and they're just like, hey, I want to rank for Georgia wedding photographer. Or they're just thinking about that one big money keyword. And I'm able in the SEO roadmap process to say, okay, this is what we need to do to rank for Georgia wedding photographer, but here are these 15 other keyword opportunities you might not have thought of. Maybe people are searching a lot in certain city names within Georgia. Maybe there's a ton of people that are looking for venues and you can capture some of that traffic. So we make a plan for what keywords that we can get a website to be visible for. And then I also do a technical audit of the website because there can be technical issues that hold a site back. If it's not coded very well and Google's not able to load it because of the code that was used. If there are a lot of broken links, that's something that I check out in this process. So it's about a 60-point audit. There's a lot of things I look at just to make sure once we do the work, 
is there something that might be holding it back that we can't see? So can so, a wedding professional come to you, like square out? You just explained that they need to do a few things first, but let's just say they're totally lost. Can they come to you, Sarah, and say, hey, here's my concept. I do have a logo. Can you help build a website or are they best to go get somebody else to build it? And then you can start with these fundamentals that you just talked about? Yeah. Um, we do offer some website development services, though I do have a few people I refer to that do a good job at setting things up right. Um, here's the thing about if you're just getting started, your website's brand new, you're just brand new to business, it's really hard out of the gate to start ranking on the first page in Google when there are websites out there that have been established for 10 years that have hundreds of blog posts and thousands of links. It's really, really hard to get SEO traffic immediately. So you need to have a long-term mindset if you're just getting started in your business. It's, it's great to set up proper fundamentals, and I do have some resources on this, but um, you also have to be committed to doing the work for the long term. So that means blogging every wedding that you do and making sure you're using the right keywords. Um, that means making sure that you're getting listed on as many free listing sites as you can. So those are things that are important to do at the beginning and just moderating your expectations, knowing that SEO is a long-term game. But it's really worth it to do the long-term work because once your website does have that authority and you've put the work in and really built it up to be a really great website in the eyes of Google, you can rank at the top of Google for many years just doing the right things and maintaining it. So it's a little bit of the opposite of paid advertising, which is where you get visibility only when you're paying for it, which is more of a short game mindset. That's something you can do, though kind of as a hybrid strategy. So you want to show up for Georgia Wedding Photographer, you can start out with paid advertising while you're working on building up your organic SEO authority. So that's kind of my view on SEO from the beginning. And I think that that is good for the listeners to hear because, you know, as we all know, it doesn't matter what industry or business or passion you have. Taking the first step is the hardest. And I never want a website or not having a website to stop somebody from starting a passion project or a dream. But I can attest to you that things change in this business for 37 years. Our website has evolved and we have grown with it and you have to put the time in just like you take the time to learn how to be a floral person or a cake person. You have to work on this side of your business as well. And as Sarah explained to you guys, this website of yours will eventually start doing the work for you while you're out getting to do the part of the job that you like, cake decorating, wedding planning, let your website work for you. And in order for it to work for you, that means that ugly word, I must blog, as Sarah said, <laughs> has come up. And it's, seriously, Sarah, I know I practice it and, and we say it. Tell everybody just how vital blogging, even if it's a simple blog, maybe you can tell the listeners that it doesn't have to be this you know, 75 photo blog, maybe you can explain the difference in a big content blog and just having a blog that was a simple link to something or just a comment. Yes, I, blogging seems to be um, even more hated in the yes. wedding world than SEO. I don't yes. even know how that's possible. Um, but I actually ask clients now in initial consultations, are you willing to blog? Because some people have said, you know what, I hate doing a blog, I won't do it. I 
I swear it doesn't help me and I refuse. And I just say, you know what, then you should find other ways to market your business other than SEO. That's truly how important it is for search engine optimization to have fresh content that is added to your website on a regular basis, whether that's uh, monthly even. Um, It's so important to be adding new helpful content to your website in order for Google to view it as an authority and to know that you're still in business, actively maintaining the website and the information shown there. So I highly recommend blogging a recap of every single event. And I know that can sound really overwhelming. Um, maybe there's some events that weren't your favorite. Okay, so I'll, I'll give you a free pass on those. If you didn't, for whatever reason, feel like that event shows off your best work, then skip that one. Um, but as many as you can, write a recap of the day and show off some of the images from it. Make sure to talk about the venue where it was held because you may be able to capture some traffic from people that are looking for example weddings at that venue. And, you know, just do the best you can. There are multiple ways you can generate blog content with less work. I actually have a a blog post template that asks some simple questions that can draw out some answers that make it sound a little unique so that not every post you write is like, I was so glad to be part of Brandon and Jessica's big day. Um, So (laughs) that can help um, thinking through some, some questions like, what was particularly unique about this day? Was there a moment that was really special that you'll never forget? Um, what did you contribute as the vendor to this wedding? Um, you know, as a photographer, did you find a really special photo location? As the planner, did you develop a beautiful photo backdrop wall that the guests loved being in front of? Those are the types of things just to think about to make it a little bit unique. What would you say to someone if you were describing the event to them verbally? And just kind of write it down. So it's important to do that kind of recap. Um, The other idea that I have for getting more content on the blog is that you can actually ask your couple so two, three weeks after the wedding, after the, uh, the butterflies are gone and they're thinking back on it fondly, you could reach out to them and ask if they'd like to write a couple paragraphs so that you can feature them on your blog. Then they're doing the writing for you and it's a lot more unique and passionate than if it's your 35th wedding of the year. Right. And, and I have found we do that. We do a pre-wedding day detail form and then we also do a form that says, hey, this is for blogs or publications. I'm going to come back to you afterwards and say, like, what are you most looking forward to today? And then we're going to come back to you. Tina sends an email out a little bit later and says, so what was your favorite part of the day? Because the reason blogging has become that four-letter word in the wedding industry is the time. I have to gather the photos. I have to now talk about and not sound like, hey, I was just with Jessica and John. Yeah. So other vendors then have to wait for photographers. So again, for the 90 million time photographers that are listening, if you do not give photos to your vendors, you are doing yourself such a disservice. Let these people talk about you and your photography on their blogs, on their website. Talk about getting SEO back to you like Sarah's been talking about. Share your photos. Nowadays, it's so much easier. It's not like in the old days when I was where I had to wait for a print and get it to them and take a picture of it. We didn't have websites back when I started. Yes, I'm that old. So (laughs) now you can get these photos to people. And when it talks about the blogging, 
It's also the way to build up vendor community. And that's another thing that we hear about all the time is, I want to work with so-and-so or I want to be at that venue. Here's a wonderful way to show that venue that you know how to showcase them a little bit differently. And like you mentioned, people that might be looking for that venue, so if these are hot links within the blog, people can search back. But I'm finding when I talk to vendors and they say they're not blogging anymore, and I'm sure you know this, Sarah, here it comes. Well, I have Instagram for that. Oh. <laughs> they think they're showing the photos there or letting all these new listeners know about it. And yes, they might find people that want to come and look at their pictures and DM them. And we, I mean, I'm getting weddings. I book weddings off DM. But again, if I'm just starting out, that might be where I need to put all my eggs in a basket. Maybe I need to spend my time there. But it boils down to what you've been hearing Sarah talk about. If you don't have that foundation of your business, which in this case would be your website, think about a brick and mortar. Your website's your brick and mortar if you yes. don't have that. So Sarah's trying to tell everybody that if by blogging and sharing all these things, it's simple. And she does have a wonderful, you know, she's going to put that in the show notes that you can get just to kind of help you along. But you heard it from an SEO person. Blogging is hard, but so is running your business. You've already done all the work, everybody. You've already taken the photos. Couples will love to talk about their wedding. They're going to get tired of talking about their wedding. After the wedding, their friends are like, enough of your wedding. <laughs> This is their chance, and we always say it that way. This is your chance to have a few five minutes of fame. And maybe you can allude to, after you do that little bit of a blog, how important now for SEO is it if that blog post kind of becomes used in a publication from somewhere else or another blogger's website or blog post? How important for SEO is it if another blogger or wedding industry person uses that blog on their blog? Oh, yeah. It's wonderful. Um, if you want to get more links to your website, you better be sharing links to other vendors on yours. And it really does help to create that community. And some of the best links you can get are from other vendors in your area because Google will start to understand what area you're associated with, what other websites you're associated with. So having more content gives you more opportunities to get links and to continue to climb in Google. Um, there's one more thing that I wanted to point out. Blogging is not just for SEO. And I say this because I have watched clients Google Analytics traffic. So Google Analytics is a way to actually see the statistics for your website on visitors. And consistently, every single time a client blogs and posts a link to a blog on their social media, their website traffic has a huge spike. You might be getting only 20 visitors a day you might get 200, 300 visitors on a day that you publish a new post on your blog and share that link for people to click through. And what's so great about that traffic is that these are people coming to your website, which you own, and they have the opportunity to, once they're done with that blog post, to learn more about you, reconnect with you, read your about page, learn about your services. So it, it's so much more impactful and so much more personal than just being part of someone's Instagram feed when you get them to go to your website and then hopefully your website does a really good job converting them or giving them an idea, a better idea of who you are. So don't discount the fact that blogging is only if you're interested in SEO. It's just a good marketing tactic to drive traffic to your site and let your site do its work. 
And it's an extension of your social media. There's nothing wrong with that, but you can't go into that deep, even with ID stories now. You need to have a place to talk about and reminisce. And again, it's your ongoing portfolio. I said it earlier, this is your brick and mortar. You're paying rent on this all the time. So it's just like having somebody walk into your store to look at your displays and they don't go out and buy anything. They may tell somebody else about it. And we in the wedding industry, we always complain that people aren't calling. If you have 200 people that come to your website, let's be real, folks, you can't service 200 people, you know, but if you get two or three people that can make your year or you, that make your quota for the year, look at the work that you already put in that's already here. And, and Sarah is giving you wonderful information about the importance of keeping on telling your story by telling what you do every day. So it's, it's not just for photographers. It's not just for florists. It's for every single vendor needs to be doing some sort of blogging. And if not, you know, this is one of the things that if you want to add value to your business and you're not good at this, click out of it, go get a virtual assistant or somebody and let them help you do that. So thank you for bringing up that yes. four letter word Great. blog that nobody likes to talk about. Cause I knew we were going to get it. <laughs> I always like to find a little bit about the backstory. And one of the things that I, I preached in my 37 years of doing this is sometimes we need to look outside the wedding industry to get a good look at the wedding industry. And you're a perfect example of that. You're not a wedding photographer selling SEO. You're not a wedding planner selling SEO. I want you to tell a little bit about the listeners about how you got into wanting to service the wedding industry. It's so great that you asked that because I've noticed more and more that really is very different. Most of the services that are sold to wedding professionals are someone who started as a wedding professional right. and figured something out and now wants to help others. And so sometimes I feel like a little bit strange, like I, I've wandered into um, a house where I don't know any of the guests, <laughs> but that is what happened to me. So I actually started a web design and online marketing company in 2012. And I mostly worked with local clients for about five years. So here in Southwest Michigan, I was working with the local dentist and contracting company and accounting firm and those types of businesses and really did a lot of work and really started studying SEO, doing SEO for quite a variety of businesses and really just felt a pull to try to find and connect with more female work from home business professionals like myself. And I ended up at a women entrepreneurs conference where I met a wedding planner out of Chicago and we started chatting about what I did. I said, I, I love websites. I love SEO. That's the work that I do for clients. And she said, oh my gosh, we have to talk. I had a website redesigned about six months ago and I used to rank way up on Google. And ever since the redesign, I've fallen to page seven or worse. Wow. And I said, absolutely, I'll take a look at that. And just to help her out, and I looked at it that weekend, and I could see immediately that the web designer she had hired knew nothing about SEO or what they knew was like really old, outdated tactics that I would not recommend for anyone. But I bet so, the site looked pretty because that's what it sure looks so pretty. many people. <laughs> Bobby, are you in my head? Yes, exactly. exactly. Um, that's what I find, unfortunately, in this industry. As I as I worked with this particular client and started meeting a few other contacts that she had, everyone really had chosen their website providers based just on how good of a designer they were. And a lot of times that brings in a lot of 
problem. So I'm the geeky best friend because I love the technical side of the website and the online marketing. And I said, this is something that I really want to help wedding professionals with because I am so impressed by how creative all of you are. And I really think that you guys need a geeky best friend who can look out for things like your analytics, your SEO, and your conversions and some of this geekier stuff that I'm really well suited to help with. So what I did was I, I launched the wedding specific branch of my business. I only do SEO services now for wedding professionals and I absolutely love it. I've been able to dig in super deep on how couples are searching for their vendors and what kind of searches really are working to bring in traffic and inquiries. And I love knowing an industry at this level so that I can really apply best practices that I find from one client to the next. So I have really enjoyed that, and I know that my entry into this market is different than most, um, but I, I really enjoy filling in the holes that I see and helping people with things they might not even know they need. Well, and, but that's the point. The, you made several points there, Sarah, and, and it's funny because you must be in my head too because I preach get out of your pajamas and get into the community, whether that's a wedding community, a woman community, a small business community. Get out and meet with people that are doing what you're doing. It does not matter whether you're servicing a dentist client for SEO or website information or if you're doing the shoe tailor down the street or a wedding person. We all are trying to find business to sell our services to. And many times, those of us that are inside the business, we hear the same thing over and over and over and we're not thinking of, well, that worked for you, but that didn't work for you, but you're still doing the same thing. So when we get out of our comfort zone and we go to a conference that sometimes will have a mix, not so much just a photography conference, but an education conference that talks about something other than I walked down the aisle and said I do, something that can help grow your business in another way. And that's exactly what you did. And you also proved the point that it's the people that you meet at these conferences that will help you build your own business and create something you found the need. And this industry need is, need is great for SEO because I think we're tired of hearing people talk about SEO that are within the industry. And, you know, as part of the industry, I know I'm going to make some people angry when I say that, but I, you have to go outside of it to see what we're doing wrong. I mean, you have to go out and get other people. And, you know, you're exactly right. You know, these websites all look beautiful. I mean, selling a template left and right and the pictures that we put on there are beautiful. But as we yes. talked about from the very beginning, if nobody's going to come knocking at your door when the open sign's on, how are you going to be able to service your clients and do what you love to do? And so yes. that is just, it's such valuable information that you just shared about the importance of doing that. So yeah, I just want to, I want to give a plus one to finding opportunities to talk to other people in right. business that are outside of your industry. I'm still very involved in um, groups of just web designers and web designers that use WordPress especially and, and design for all types of clients. And then I'm involved in women's entrepreneur groups as well who are doing all sorts of things. Um, and they're, they're doing different things to market themselves that would actually be really unique if brought into the wedding industry. 
I think we get in trouble when all we do is kind of copy what's already working within the industry because then we're not doing anything different. But if you can have an open mind when you go and meet people in different industries, you can be more creative and just think about how you might apply what's working somewhere else into the world in which you live. So it's not like you have to create something brand new. You might just need to adapt something that works elsewhere into your own market. And that's way more interesting than just doing a spinoff of something that you've seen another business owner just like you do. Well, and you don't always know that it was working for them. It could have worked in that one square of the nine squares that you're looking at. That one square looks like these guys are doing amazing things. Behind the scenes, that's not the case. So by stepping out of the box, I mean, you took the first step to be a creative entrepreneur to begin with. So take the next step and listen to some other people that have an objective and we just can never stop learning. I mean, we always have to keep learning. I don't care how long you're here. Technology, especially, you know, keeps changing. So for our listeners that want to reach out to you, um, how do you continue to take clients? Are you full right now of clients? Um, how far do they have to reach out if they want to start the process of doing the things you said? And then they can say, Sarah, I've done all those things. I'm now ready for you. Um, and maybe you can talk a little bit about that lunch and learn if that's kind of where that leads into. Sorry about that. that was a long question. <laughs> yeah, absolutely. So all of my information is on sarahdoesseo.com and that's Sarah spelled S-A-R-A. And what you'll find there, I want to point you in a couple directions. The first is toward my monthly SEO lunch and learn. So under the services, there is um, a page called the lunch and learn. And I do a monthly free 30 minute lunch and learn. It's live. You can ask me questions. And I try to find like a tiny little nugget of a topic that I can cover really well in 30 minutes, specifically tailored for the wedding industry. So for example, my upcoming one is all about backlinks how to get more links to your website from other sites. I'm going to talk about why it matters and where to get some of those links in a simple way. So I've done that. Um, you know, In the future, I'm going to cover Google Search Console and Google My Business, topics like that. So I highly recommend if you want to connect with me, hang out with me on my next Lunch and Learn. Um, the other thing, if you're interested, there's actually a, a link to get more info. So if you just sign up there, I will immediately send you my welcome guide. And that has information about services, costs, and what I suggest you have before we work together. So those are great next steps. And um, you know, if you're interested, that's where I'd send you. If you just want to be friends, that sounds awesome. I'm on Instagram at, at Sarah Does SEO. So that's a good spot too. Well, and that's the thing too. I mean, you're, you're willing to take a look and, you know, I'm just going to say it, you know, we're having a kind of conversation. You're willing to invest in somebody before they invest in you a little bit. You're, you're giving them some groundwork. You're giving them some homework and paperwork to do so that they can be a little bit better equipped to ask you the questions that need to ask. And one of the things that I just, you know, and in full disclosure, guys, we have just really met, but I really dived in a little bit to find out more about Sarah and, and one of the things that I respect from her is that she's not saying click here and give me $999 and then I may help you. She actually has a track to get some information to see that you guys are the right fit. And is that something that you really just feel passionate about that, that you're not the right fit for everybody that's going to fill out one of these forms? Yes. 
Yes. The number one thing I want to make sure I don't do is overpromise on SEO results. I don't want to say, hey, anybody, if you follow these three steps, you can be number one on Google for any keyword you want to, because I just can't guarantee that. So what I do before I take on any client is I do do a consultation and I take a look at the website and make sure that they really are set up for success so that if we work together, I do believe they will see results. I am not going to take on someone if I don't think their website is ready to rank on Google because I don't want to take your money and then give SEO a bad name. Like, hey, I threw some money at an SEO person and I didn't see really see any results from it. That's the worst thing I can do from for my own industry and my own business. So um, I do do a consultation. And the other thing I do is I always start with the SEO roadmap. So that's a really simple one-time project that gives you a feel for what you're going to need to do to rank for the keywords you want to rank for. And what's great is I'm not trying to tie anyone up into an ongoing SEO program. We're really taking one small step together and making sure that you like what I'm saying, that you're feeling really confident that they're able to execute on the plan. And then we can work together to do the SEO work on the site. So um, I didn't answer one of your prior questions, which is um, accepting new clients. I am accepting new clients. I only do one SEO roadmap a week and I'm usually booked out um, three to four weeks. I'm booked out about six weeks right now. So um, I, I want to make sure I don't take on too much at once. So that's well, it's currently it's a the and that's one of the things that I appreciate when I was reading everything about it is that, you know, you're not just going to be giving some canned responses. Yes, some of the things come back or, you know, the same for each client, but you really dive in and research and do the work with everybody. And I think that's, again, everybody, that's why it's valuable to go outside our industry because what you might think is just normal and how we do business if you go to another professional that's also in the same market that you're in, in the same, in same you know, box that you're in, they hear the same words you hear and it sometimes gets overlooked where Sarah is looking into the wedding industry, even though she works with wedding creatives now, she can still dive in and take a look at everything that you're, that you're doing right now. If we, if we can, can we talk a little bit about, and you may not be able to answer this, but is there a good way to start about finding who to host with? Is there a good way to start one company does something different? And I, I'm probably not even I'm not phrasing that correctly. Are there different places that host that do better work if you're in a wedding creative? Does that make sense? Yeah. So as far as website platforms, that's a, the question I get a lot as far as like, which one do I choose? And I have done SEO work using WordPress, Squarespace, and ShowIt. Those are certainly my favorite and the ones that I recommend the most. Um, I'm a, a little bit warier of Wix and Weebly because they're hard to get off of if you do want to transition to a different platform. Um, so WordPress is definitely my favorite platform and the one that I recommend for the best SEO. Um, Squarespace is also okay. They do some things that I can't stand as far as SEO, but I have hope that someday they'll fix them. And I have been able to get Squarespace sites to rank well. So it's not impossible despite their shortfalls. So those are the, the three platforms that I do recommend. And um, as far as hosting, there's... WordPress, you can host in a lot of places. I do recommend a managed WordPress host like Flywheel or WP Engine. 
Um, is that the direction you wanted me to take that, Bobby? Yeah, because I, I know a lot of times, like I said, and I get a lot of this information from SEO is, is from me out talking because when I'm talking, I'm definitely not the one to ask about SEO. I get to stand up there and say, for 37 years, this is what I have done and it's working for me. Um, but I'm not the SEO expert by any means or the expert on anything. I'm just giving you some life experiences of what I'm doing. And that's one of the things that when I'm in these small groups, I hear the others talk about. They're like, well, if I host over here and I don't like it, then I go over there. And that to me went back to what we talked about earlier, stopping moving and changing everything, get a solid foundation built first and then go from that. And I'm hearing that, yeah, I love part of the conversation is I'm hearing that you are saying that you can start with your website and actually continue growing it. So as your business expands, you want to be with a website and a company that allows you to grow. For instance, if you wanted to add a page that talked about your team members or live videos, you know places that can do that. And the fact that you're saying start small and grow is doable. Oh, yeah. Yeah. I, I You said something earlier that really called to me um, when you talked about how you don't want anyone to delay doing their business waiting on silly things. Uh, it was something like that. Right, right. Um, and I see this a lot of the times with websites. People are like, well, I'm not going to launch this new service until my website is ready. Or I'm not going to really start marketing my business until my website is done. Or I'm not going to post a link on, I'm not going to post to social media until um, I get my website updated. And I as much as I love websites and they're what I work with for a living, that still pains me because I want people to move forward with working on their business without waiting for something arbitrary like their website to be perfect. So when Bobby said, hey, you know, can we start with just a landing page and social media? I'm like, absolutely. Get out there. See if you can get some clients. Worry about your website later. Don't let it hold you back. You can always improve the design in a year um, after you are really rolling with things, you can always make those changes later. Don't let your website hold you back. Right. And that, and that's, and that's key. It's like, we have to have one. I firmly believe that, you know, and I know I'll get pushback on this, that there are people doing, you know, six figures just off their Instagram page. And, and that's great. I'm, I'm not knocking anything, but I, I'm that old fashioned person where you have a place that you can showcase what you do and update it. And let's be honest, not only is the blog for our clients, but as somebody as a wedding creative, you're now telling your story too. I mean, you have a legacy of the work that you've done. It's a place that stores your work. Your website is part of who you are and part of your story. And, you know, five, 10 years from now, that's still going to be sitting out there and people can, you know, Google back and find something older a little bit and they're going to read about you and find out some of the things that you've done. And I say often in this industry, we're just privileged to be witnesses to such a great day. And, and I know that it's a privilege and honor for me to be capturing these moments. So I think the website is just such a, it's such a, a place that lets us do that. And our blog lets us host that. And now nowadays with all these templates, Sarah, you can have the same template, but you can, you can make it look totally different. It doesn't have to be the same. So again, that goes back to what you're saying, start with that great foundation 
and then just build from it. And then I can't, I can't say enough folks. It's definitely stop by and, and check out her website and stop and have lunch with her. I think that you're going to gain so much. I already know that, you know, we're going to have to have you back because I already see like four or five questions coming into my email here, Awesome. which is, which is Bobby Brinkman at gmail.com. And uh, if you have a couple minutes here, I'll go ahead and ask you a couple of these questions that, that are coming in. Yeah. Uh, we have a, a, it's a Sarah and she is asking, how, how valuable is it to have a website, kind of what we just said, how valuable is it to have a website that you haven't changed for 10 years? Oh, uh, I wonder if she's asking about the, the website domain name or if she's asking about actually not updating your website for 10 years. Um, let's tackle each of those separately. So how valuable is it to have a domain name you haven't changed for 10 years? Um, it's pretty valuable to have an established domain name. Um, it's not like the number one ranking factor. So if somebody's got a domain with a lot of um, domain history, but their website isn't very good, doesn't have much content, you don't have very many links to it, then someone certainly with a newer domain name might be able to rank above yours. So website quality is certainly paramount, but um, having a history with your domain is important. Now, if you do need to change that, refer back to earlier in this episode when we talked about how you can change your domain name as long as you redirect the old domain properly. So um, please do know that that's available to you as an option if you do need to change your domain name as long as you do it right. Um, now, how valuable is it to have a website you haven't changed in 10 years? That is bad for SEO. Um, you definitely want to keep your content fresh, make sure that your information is up to date. I'm going to guess your packages and services will change in 10 years. So definitely don't let your website sit around. Um, give it a, a once over at least every quarter, you know, really look over all the pages, make sure that everything's still and I just, I sent her a text to ask, uh, again, because we're not live, everybody, so you're going to be hearing this a little bit later, but I did put out a feeler earlier and said, hey, send me some questions if you want to. Her question was, I took some time off, I had a baby, I'm five years out, Is I have not done anything with my website, I still own the domain and the website, can I start over from it or should I revamp the whole thing? I mean, you can certainly revamp it. Um, I don't think necessarily you have to change your business name or your URL just because you're relaunching. I would keep all the old content out there too if you have an older blog. Just, you know, if it doesn't necessarily represent your current work, make sure you've got dates on those blog posts so people realize this is your work of six years ago. And bury it in some new work that really accurately represents where you are now. So um, that's my recommendation if you've taken some time off. Feel free to just give it a little refresh, but there's no need to blow it up if you've got some good content there already. Well, and that's a good segue. So are you saying that we should definitely put the dates on our blog post? I mean, is that something you suggest? <laughs> oh, so controversial. Uh -huh. um, I... <laughs> So there doesn't seem to be a particular best practice, and I'm actually doing a big study right now on wedding websites that rank well, and I am seeing that more than half of them that rank at the top of Google do have dates on blog posts. So to me, my recommendation to clients is to put dates on blog posts. The other reason for that is because people can get a feel for how old the work is. So they'll be able, people are smart. If the blog post is from five years ago, 
and they'll see that. They'll know that this may not be what your work looks like now. You may have gotten bigger, fancier weddings for clients. Um, you may have shifted your photography style a bit. If you don't have a date on that blog post and they land on it somehow, they have no context for what your work looks like now. So I personally highly recommend dates, though if, if you really have a date aversion, I understand. I'll let you take them off. But I think a lot of that too is, and this goes back to this works on Instagram. You know, we have the hashtag, you know, throwback Thursday. If you're, if you want to recycle a photo on Instagram, you can do that easier and people don't think much again, like you said, if it looks like your style, but what about resurfacing that blog post or using it? Can you come back up and say, Hey, I remember back when I did this, or can you take your blog post and kind of say, Hey, I'm thinking about this wedding or even a yeah. shout out to an anniversary, happy wedding day. Let, let, let's kick back. And I know how important it is when we do a wedding blog post, it's like, Hey, don't forget, remember their engagement photos. And we do a link back to their engagement photos so that you get the whole story. So people can repurpose these blog posts doing with your suggestion that kind of just gives them, again, if you're lacking for something to blog and you know, a client just had a baby, why not rebring up their wedding? Yes. Blog post? Yeah, I love that. You know, as I said, posting links to your social media back to your own blog, they always cause a spike in traffic. So it doesn't have to be that you only post a link to a blog post the day it comes out and then you never post it again. I love linking back to the engagement photos leading up to someone's wedding. I love the anniversary idea. You also can say, hey, I'm headed back to this venue this weekend. I love the last time we shot here and you can link to that blog post. So be creative. Certainly resurface your prior blog posts and get some more mileage and some more traffic out of those than just once. So we haven't talked too much about what happens if you're blocked or is it, you know, back in the day you could get, you know, blacklisted from Google. Is that something that's still like prevalent or current? I mean, there, there certainly are sites that have been penalized. This probably won't happen to you unless you've been using some really bad SEO practices like buying links from link farms or um, link schemes are really one of the worst things you can do. I'm trying to think of other reasons. But if you haven't actively been doing things to trick Google, you probably aren't going to get delisted from Google and de-indexed. So that's not something I would necessarily worry too much about. Gotcha. I have Tom who sent an email that said, I run multi-facets of my wedding industry. I have them underneath my main name. Is that hurting me or helping me? Or is it better to have three separate websites? Great question. So for SEO, it's much better to have fewer websites because to Google, all of these businesses are separate and you have to build up authority on all of those domain names separately. So I love that he has just created them as maybe subsections or service pages off one domain name because that is definitely the best practice for SEO. That way, if you're getting links back to your site for, for one of the services, it's actually benefiting you to be found for the other, other services as well. So I think that that is a much better idea. I've also seen 
wedding professionals sometimes create a separate website if they want to start doing corporate events. And that's not necessarily something I recommend for SEO because, again, you're starting over with your domain authority if you create a separate website on a separate domain. So it's just something to think about if you do branch out and start something new. See if you can start it under your existing name and keep it there unless it's causing a lot of confusion for your customers. Gotcha. That's that's a wonderful point. Because, I mean, I know that's how I do it my education. We have on my website that it just slides out to another page, you know, uh, when I do my education. So, you know, those are things that I've picked up along the way. So that is a valuable tip. Now I have somebody who, and I'm going to try to read this one correctly. It states, when I'm just starting out, a single page website versus a multi-page website. I would say if it's, it's probably not that much more work to create a homepage plus a couple extra pages. Now, you know, just starting out, this may not be the best place to spend your time. So maybe you launch with the single page and then make it a goal that maybe two months later or two clients later, you spend some more time on the website and you add a separate about page and a separate page outlining your services and a separate page for contact. I mean, that four-page setup is really like a good basic website, home, about, services, contact. So just make a plan to grow it. Um, Just know that a single-page website is really going to struggle with SEO because Google's going to say, well, this website has one page and this other website has a thousand. So I think the other website probably has more helpful information on it. Gosh, that, that's, you know, I would never even thought about that. So, but again, it makes sense and everything that you've been talking about in this episode. Tips on chat boxes, good, bad. What's your thoughts on this new trend? Oh, interesting. Um, that's honestly not something I have really dived into that much. Uh, it doesn't have much SEO impact. So I, I don't know if I can speak to chat boxes other than to say I personally find them super annoying when it looks like it's a chat box where you're there live and no one's actually manning it and responding to the messages that come in. Right. And I think that's key. If, if you're doing that because you think it's going to improve your SEO, it's not going to improve your SEO no. in, in return could actually hurt your customer service <laughs> when you're trying to communicate with your, with your couples. So any last tips? Let's. I've, I've kept you long enough. I, I could make this into two parts, and we may come back and uh, talk about that a little bit later. But uh, any final tips for anybody that you would like to talk about SEO? And again, I can't even thank you enough, and I, I know that our listeners are going to be so thrilled to have you. But leave us with some words of wisdom from Sarah. Sure. So number one in SEO, don't get overwhelmed by the technical stuff. There are things that you can learn about and improve as you go. But as you build your website, think about just creating the best experience for your user. How can you help them quickly find the information that they're looking for? How can you guide them throughout your website so that they don't look at one page and leave? Maybe you put links in the footer to your key pages. Maybe you link from one blog post to a similar blog post. What can you do to really make their experience on your website better? And that is the number one thing we always want to think about. When we put the user first, Google always appreciates it. Gosh, that is, that is so valuable. Again, everybody, Tina's going to have everything we talked about, everything Sarah mentioned. We're going to have those in the show notes. I cannot urge you enough to go visit her at her website and definitely jump in on her Lunch and Learns. I mean, you heard the word free there. Uh, Valuable words when you're winning creative. Uh, Anything you can gain, and you're going to gain a lot. You've already 
learned so much from this lady in the short time that we've been with you. Um, I'm definitely going to tell you guys this, and I'll talk to Sarah about this off air. Continue to send me your texts. Send your emails in. Again, that it's Bobby, B-O-B-B-I, Brinkman at Gmail. Send me those. I'll, I'll do another Instagram questionnaire, but uh, send those to me. I'll have Tina kind of get those all together, and then maybe we can have Sarah come back a few episodes and just dive through the questions a little bit and see uh, some of you guys that have went to her class. You can come back and kind of tell us, hey, I learned this, I learned that. I think that would be a great follow-up and just some of you guys that are using your services come back and share a little bit too. I think that might be really fun. So again, Sarah, I cannot thank you enough for your time, sharing your wisdom and just sharing yourself. Um, I'm all about all of us. The more we know and the more we share with each other and we tell our story, um, the better we all grow as human beings. And we can definitely raise the bar for the wedding community in the industry by just sharing valuable knowledge that will help us all set up to succeed. So Thank you so much for being here. I hope you had a fabulous time. And uh, absolutely, else? absolutely. Thank you so much, Bobby. I really appreciate you having me on and these really kind words of recommendation. And I can't wait to connect with your listeners. Awesome. All right, everybody. Until next time, have a fabulous, fabulous week. Um, go out and tackle your weddings this week. Remember that you are of value to your clients and that it is a privilege to service. And when you get back on Monday, be thinking about the ways you can blog about that wedding you just shot and make Sarah proud of you. All right, everybody, have a fabulous day. Thanks so much. For more information about today's episode, check the show notes at BeFabopodcast.com. Hey, while you're there, don't forget to subscribe and sign up for Monday Motivations, delivered hot to your inbox. And there will be more. Can we say more? Till next time, be fabulous.